welcome everybody. Welcome back to the Small Town Producer Podcast. Um, Kana Beats. You can follow me uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Beats by Kana, and then on YouTube we'll have a video portion up. Uh, just search Kana Beats. Uh, here again, as always, hey. with Luke. Yeah, um, uh, just find me on Luke Blood. Luke Blooded something. <laughs> Google it at Luke Blooded. On <laughs> I'm getting Instagram. that SEO up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. All right. So our guest today. Is Wantel. Wantel, what's up, man? What's poppin'? Hey, it's, it's good to, to have, have you here. Appreciate Thanks it. for coming by. Um, Wantel is an awesome producer. Uh, used to live here. He's now in San Diego. And um, who are some of the people that you've worked with that you're just like, you know, most proud of? And, you know, who are some of your big names that you would like people to know? Yeah. So quick question with that, because in context, are you saying actual place or worked? Because mm. two different things. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, probably placed, I guess. Placed? Okay. Um, so John Gibbs, he signed to Interscope. Um, Caleb Mitchell signed to Def Jam. Um, Tadashi, who signed to Reach Records. And um, yeah, I mean, no big deal. He used to be signed to Columbia. Then he decided to not be a part of a label, just went independent. Um, Ishan Burgundy. The album we worked on hit number eight on Billboard. And, um, yeah, and then Belief, which is, to me, that dude is, he quit rapping full-time to, like, pursue a YouTube, like, channel called Belief and Fatherhood. And it, to me, is one of the most amazing channels. Um, it, it It's a crazy concept. It's not crazy. It's, it's just, to me, it's a really dope concept. I mean... The concept of it is for a black father to be present in his child's lives, you know, and, mm. and it's like he went to stop rapping to do that, to back to rapping, but rapping about his family and it actually not be corny. And it's like mm. super dope. And mm. so, like, I just respect the dude and, and dude spoke, you know, life into me, like in our personal conversations. And one of the biggest things for him is respect your genius, you know, mm -hmm. don't yeah. let anyone take that from you. And so. Um, yeah, those are probably my, my favorite people that I, I've placed with, but I've worked with some people that, um, like recently I was in the TDE sessions for like top dog. So like being in the studio with Isaiah Rashad and, um, some of the like producers I worked with worked on like Drake's more life. Um, some of like famous decks, um, Big Sean, um, Amir Johnson did like all of Big Sean's records of the recent years. Um, just phenomenal people. I've worked with Hoodie Allen, um, which was because of John, you know, John Gibbs. Uh, 2004 was the record that we did. And Hoodie was like, what is this? I need to know who produced it and started <laughs> trying to work with me. And, um, you know, even some of the people signed to reach records now which is crazy like i worked with them when they first started rapping and just recently ran into them and didn't even know that i was producing for them and like five years later they signed and i went to go network and they're like thank you for producing this for me back in the day and i'm mm -hmm. like let me go check my emails real quick and see <laughs> like yo i did that like it's crazy so yeah man um i think that's 
my stuff right there. Yeah. yeah. That's you, awesome. You mentioned the Hoodie Allen just heard a record, right? And yeah, it just like, hit me up. Do you think a lot of stuff has kind of come through the pipe? Just like the work speaks for itself kind of thing? Or is it, I mean, there's, there's obviously a mix, but is that mm-hmm. rare? Because to me, that means that's like a standout record. Uh, 2004? I, well, yes, but yeah. also just for someone to be like, who's on this record? Like, yeah. how can I get in touch with them? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, um, I feel like 2004, the song, like, which we, we talked about this earlier in our, our meetup, like, I almost didn't even get on that record, and I was a part of it. And it was just like, I started out the drums, and then they're like, we don't like the drums. So they completely took them away. Yeah. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and then I started going for the melody part. And that ended up being a staple piece of um, the vocals. And then I added some of the bass and like the bridge and stuff like that. And, you know, I personally felt like, man, even though I added to this production, it wasn't even really me. Like I felt like, yeah, I'm a part of it. Mm but I was excluded and it wasn't like they intentionally did that, but mm-hmm. it was just my own insecurities of it. Right. But then hoodie was like, this is one of the most amazing records I ever heard. And I want to know who did it. And John just did the shout out on, on Twitter and was like, yeah, it was DJ Rec and Wantel. <laughs> so then hoodie just messaged me, like yeah. DM me and was like, I want to work with you. I love what you do, which it's funny because I messed that up. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, so lesson number one, um, <laughs> when you send beats to people, uh, if they don't respond in the first week, don't sell the beat <laughs> right away. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. He didn't respond for like a week on like what he wanted me to hold. And I was like, well, he's not telling me what he wants me to hold. So I'll just put these up for sale. I need to pay rent. Mm-hmm. The next week, he goes, hey, bro, so hold this record. I was like, yeah, so I sold it last week. Um, He's like, well, I already did a demo to it. Uh, Um, (laughs) Maybe I could do another one to the acapella. And he was like, yeah, we could try it. And then he's like, yeah, I just don't like the record anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, I was like, my man. (laughs) But I think overall, like, when it comes to actual like standout records yeah i think um people they they look for beats and i think people i don't think hoodie was but i think a lot of a lot of artists look for clouded producers you know what i mean like they look for people that have a name so that they could say oh yeah this was produced by metro this was mm-hmm. produced by so and so so many people look at track listings and like the credits and they're like oh man this artist is featured here. This producer did this. I already know this is going to be amazing. Mm. So I'm going to listen off principle. Mm. And so now I, I think for me, like I'm not this super well-known producer, but hoodie was like, I love the vibe of what was created here. And that's what I want, which I think that vibe fits in some of his stuff, you know, of what he was already doing. But I produced a, an album Rapzilla and ended up making like 25 grand in the year solely off of I had my other placements and stuff but most of it 
was everyone that listened to that album that wasn't a freshman was like, man, so if I buy a beat from Wantel, I will be a freshman next year. <laughs> right. Yeah, you you were the you were the gatekeeper almost. Yeah, that's what they felt, you know, and I was like, cool, well, I'll sell you a beat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and so I think that's huge. I mean, a lot of my placements, you know, I I gave some beats away free to like well known artists because I knew the one beat I gave away for free that I was gonna only gonna get like maybe three, four hundred for. I had twenty other artists hit me up and say, Hey, I'll pay you two, three hundred. I'll take the 20 artists doing that than getting maybe one record. I want three or four on on the main album mm-hmm. because it's going to bring me other artists that are watching the credits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and is, so... Is that something in your head, like a strategy move a little extremely. bit? Yeah. Yeah. I I am very calculated when it comes to like my networking, when it comes to like trying to scale work. Um now, don't get me wrong. I think anybody can, quote unquote, get lucky and someone will hit them up and say, hey, I want this or random people just find you and they like your work. But I, I really think everything's within your network. Mm. And so you might not be directly connected to somebody, but because you're working with so-and-so, they're connected to them and they're listening and they're watching. And so... um I've seen it way too much where I did a record and video got out, not even like on the record, just video. I was doing talk box and like that same night, five people hit me up. Like, I didn't know you do talk box. Mm -hmm. I have this idea. What would you charge for me to do this? You know? And it's like, because of their network, I was connected to that. And so that's brought me clients, you know? Um, So, yeah. Everything, everyone is in your network or everything you need is in your network. Is that how you said it? Yeah. Every, uh, without you really knowing things are in your network because of who you're networking with, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think, I think that kind of just dispels a little bit of like excuse, the ability to just excuse, um, I don't have the connections like, yeah, it's BS. Yeah. Completely. Right. Um, and the reason why I say that is because if you go on your phone right now and you text every single person in your phone, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I'm doing. Do you happen to know anyone that's looking for this? Mm. You're going to most likely get at least one person compared to you not texting anybody and getting nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know who's who mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I've told you guys before, like, I met Chad at the airport without knowing who the man was, you know, and it's like that man made me 25 grand because I just got up and was like, hey, man, I see you wearing a King Culture shirt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the owner of Rapzilla. Right. Oh, okay, bet. (laughs) You know, and it was like, I didn't know who he was, like, you know, and, um, you know, there's been times where I've contacted people on my phone that I'm like, hey, like, I met you here. Um you know, I'm doing this sale. I don't know if you need anything. No, but my homie actually does. Let me text him your link. You know what I mean? So it's just stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, even as well, you can go on Twitter, you can go on Instagram, whatever, go to all your followers and just be like, Hey, I'm doing this. Like you might not need it, but does anyone else? Yeah. (laughs) You know, 
and I'm I'm probably deviating a little bit from from the, what the plan was here, but this being the small town producer podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people living in Boise or even smaller cities, whatever, have limited connections. Do you think it makes sense to work with the connections that they have and hope that opportunities come out of those? Because I mean, I know mm-hmm. also you talk a lot about traveling and mm-hmm. and reaching outside of your network at the yeah. same time, meeting people. Um, uh, do, how important do you think it is to like work local and work with the people who are around you and the people that they know and get to know the people that they know that they know kind of thing versus get out of your city and, and, and get in a place with new faces. Yeah. So, hmm. um, okay. Prime example of in your network without being in your network, you guys have Sherm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sherm has a deal with Empire. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So M. Sherm Beats showed up at the producer meetup uh, that we have here in Boise and, and just kind of casually talking about some placements he had and some things he had going on. It was, oh, cool. You know, he played some really, really good music, quality yep. stuff. And uh, all right. Well, okay. See you guys later, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and that's why, like, again, you know, I don't think by knowing them, they're going to give you an opportunity, but it's still within your network and you can try, you know, you can, um, I, I think you should definitely have pure intentions and, and, you know, be upfront about your intentions. But, um, you know, again, with Sherm, like to say you don't have anything within your local network would be crazy. You know, and it, and I think it'd be crazy to not even try to like be around him. You know, even just being like, "Hey, you know, um, do you mind if I just stop by the studio for an hour? You know, and just have a conversation. Hey, can I buy you a beer? Can I buy you a coffee? You know, and just even asking, how did you get to that point? You know, um, asking questions. You know, being here in Boise." You know, to say like, oh man, we're in a small town. I don't, I don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not saying yeah. I'm anybody, but mm-hmm. like, I have a pretty decent network. Mm-hmm. You know that like, if I allow it, you know, I'm able to open. You know, I'm a gatekeeper for certain right. artists. You know where? Yeah. I literally can just be like on Facetime. Hey, this is this is my homie. Like, right. you need to know him. <laughs> Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, that's, so that's how very do I, doable. How do I find you? Not you specifically. Oh, I you sound see, like I'm right here. You see what I'm saying <laughs> though? Like, I, I mean, th- there's no excuse yeah. to not finding these people, but sometimes it's hard. Like it, it took Extremely. a couple of years for us to like, for us to connect and to connect with some other producers just in mm-hmm. the area. Like, um, I, I don't know how it kind of goes back to what we were talking about though in the, I can't remember if it was your or my episode, but, um, you know, we were just stressing the importance of doing these things that really take us out of our comfort zone. Uh, like when yeah. we were talking about like mm-hmm. starting the beat makers or like, mm-hmm. and that took us talking to each other every week being mm-hmm. like, what can we do differently, you know, to figure stuff out. And then it was just because we were talking to each other that we kind of pushed each other mm-hmm. almost to be like, we got to do something like, yeah. Well, background then, I guess we, we 
started doing a producer meetup in our town. Didn't know anyone was going to show up. Daniel here in the studio showed up. Kana showed up. A couple other people. And we were like, well, let's do it again. Did it for a couple months. And then Wantel is just happens to be in town from San Diego. <laughs> Google's things to music things to do in Boise. I don't know what you search for, but and then you walk in the door. And then yeah. here we are now. But yeah. It was kind of like we don't know if there's anybody around, but let's find out. Let's mm-hmm. try something a little different. And even if we're just hanging out in a room talking about music, that's cool with me. Yeah. With with our buddies. Yeah. Um I think what you guys have created is phenomenal for networking. You know what I mean? That, you know, that brought you in, it brought Sherman, it brought other people in. I showed up, you know what I mean? It's just like, for me, um, I had came in town and um, it's funny, we went to Los Bethos. It was, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where we went. And, um, and, you know, my mom lives off of Overland. And mm. so to get back, the easiest way for us is coming through... Um, city center and so we have to come through downtown to get on mm. to ninth and so we're passing the jump center i was like oh they finally built it like it, was, it got finished yeah. i remember when they like first were starting it you know yeah and um i remember uh when they were first building it one of my friends was like yeah they're gonna build a studio in there and i was like that's crazy like mm-hmm. you know and that was five years ago right. five six years ago when they were like doing the plans or starting it and um and so I was like, man, I'm curious if they did that. And I just went on to the jump center and then <laughs> no the beat maker, like thing popped up. I was like, oh, that's tomorrow, like 10 a.m. I'm going to slide through. Dang. And I remember I was like, man, I wonder if anyone even shows up. Because I was like. <laughs> it could I, be dead months yeah, ago. No, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I was like, I don't know. But at the same time, like, I know a solid, I want to say about 20 rappers out here, like prior to ever going to the meetup like mm-hmm. i i know of a network of rappers just in boise and so i was like okay i probably run into one of my old homies like i might see one of them and none of them were there which is crazy you know but um then i ran into you guys but i think overall like you guys creating that platform you have the head start in boise in the sense of you control the scene mm. which is an amazing thing in itself because you become the plug for Boise, you guys, you know what I mean? And so when people come in and they're like, man, you know, there's nothing here. Mm -hmm. Well, actually there is. And I'm the connect. Mm -hmm. What do you need? Mm -hmm. You create leverage. You know what I mean? And, And so same as, you know, you're saying, man, in a small town, how do I, how do I build, client base or how do I build a network me personally like if I had a podcast in Boise what I would do is how you're doing right now bringing people in but I would go to all the the concert venues (laughs) I would contact every venue and be like hey look I'm not asking for you to let me in but I have a podcast and I think it would create value to Boise, I think it would create value to your venue. Um, we will always promote your venue. Um, how could we set up something that would benefit both of us to where we come in and we do our interviews with these artists coming in? Mm. 
that will, if they allow it, puts you in the exact room directly in conversation with all these bigger artists coming into Boise, having their concerts. Right. Now you're sitting in the green room with the artists where you want to be directly talking to them. And once you finish your podcast, you're like, all right, bro, let me get your email or let me get your number. (laughs) By the way, hey, I make beats. Mm -hmm. Is there any way I can send them through? Right. Yeah. You you just created your own access. You created your own door to like get in. And now at that point too, you are the plug. You create the gatekeeper for everyone else in Boise. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's reverse engineering what you feel like is not working out. Mm. You, you find a way to break that door down. Mm -hmm. That might be creating your own door. Um, I just know if I was out here, that's what I would do. Yeah. I would talk to every venue and just say, Hey, what can we do? Hey, if I got to work for you just so I can get in this door, I'm yeah. going to do it yeah. because now you, and then as well, because it's a smaller city, you are now going to be not fighting as much people to well, get yeah. into a situation. Right. Yeah. Most people aren't even thinking about yeah. that. They're it's an opportunity. Like, extremely. I mean, that's what we were trying to figure out even like. Go find the we were, Yeah. We were trying to figure out brainstorm, like how to, how to get into these venues and talk yeah. to these people coming through. But I love the way that you think and you break down everything. Yeah. And so you used to live here mm-hmm. in Boise. Yep. I want to ask, did you used to think like that while you were here or did you think you had to leave in order to gain these connections and stuff. Um, so how would I explain this? Cause I feel, I can't give a distinct answer to that. Okay. Because I feel like my, my own experience is mixed mm. because I did traveling while I was here. And I realized from early on that for me to really build my network, I had to get out of here. Okay. Not saying stay out of here, but I needed to leave at some point. And I really, as I said in the meetup earlier, FaceTime will beat a DM every time. You know what I mean? It, it just truly, me being in front of that person, they get to see my character. They mm-hmm. get to actually test who I am. And if I pass their test, they will rock with me or they're going to be like, yo, this dude's a weirdo. Yeah. I don't ever want to see you again, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But in that, like I met Ritz mm. here yeah. in Boise. Dude was just walking down the street. <laughs> yo, you need a ride, bro? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, nah, like I'm good. Thanks for checking on me, man. I was like, yeah, can I send you beats? And he's like, yeah, I'll follow you on Twitter right now. Like, <laughs> you know, just random stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think like, again, reverse engineering, like how, how do you get in contact with people that are not in this city? Well, people do come to this city. Mm-hmm. If you can't get in the venue, stand outside next to the tour bus. <laughs> yeah. And I've done that a few times. Yeah. Like it's real though. Like they're either going to be like, get away from me, weirdo. Or they're going to be like, <laughs> yo, respect. Here's my email or my number. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Again, I think for me, I traveled. I didn't travel much while I was in in Boise. It was when mm-hmm. I left is when I really was like, all right, I'm on the move. But 
the one time I went to Seattle, which I told you guys earlier, I went to go see Andy Minio like eight years ago. And then I went to Atlanta in 2013. Um, I literally was like, hey, to my mom, I can't afford this, you know, but this is, this is what I need to do. My mom went and said, don't tell your sister. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to use your birthday money, which was only a hundred dollars, you know, to that's how much I get a year from my mom for my birthday. And she was like, the ticket's 250. Mm. <laughs> Don't tell your sister that I just <laughs> dropped two and a half of your birthday money to go buy you a ticket. Yeah. And I'm like, I appreciate it. So three months later I get on this plane and it was so funny. Cause my mom is like, what are you going to do in Atlanta? I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to go out there and meet people. That's literally my, you know, that's what I envisioned. I was like, I'm just going to go and meet people. How, what, what sparked that? Like, I need to go to Atlanta. Just an idea and you realized you thought that was the move? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it just literally was like, um, and it's so funny because I, I started out producing in, um, well, I started producing here. And I, it's so funny. I completely forgot about this. I don't know how. So I started producing here. I started when I was 12. And then when I was 14, I linked up with a label out here in Boise. And um, the label was called Hustle Hard. Um, Is that around anymore? No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Um very interesting label it was the owner is still here in Boise but um it was like all gang members that were a part of this label <laughs> and I'm 14 <laughs> I'm from LA and I understand what gangs are you know what I mean but yeah. like I didn't grow up in a gang like it wasn't like I joined a gang but I was around so many of them and it was affiliated with these people and not realizing like, man, this could actually alter my life in a bad way. You know, I remember one time I'm, I'm sitting in, in the garage of the owner's like, uh, is the owner's garage and we're having this little party and I'm 14 and I'm like drinking beer and they're like, you want some pills? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'll just <laughs> drink this beer. And then out of nowhere, the owner of the label is like, all right, I need, I need the team to hurdle up. And I go over there with the beer in hand, like what's going on guys. Like, <laughs> and he goes, look, it's, it's a red state, you know, it's a blue state and it's turning red. And I was like, what is this man talking about? He's like, they're getting ready. They're, okay. they're doing burpees. They're, they're training. Whoa. And if we need to start shooting kneecaps, I was like, yo, <laughs> I was like, what is happening this here? Serious. Extremely. Whoa. I called my mom like, hey, mom, I need you to pick me up like ASAP. <laughs> I, I need out. Like, oh, my God. And, you know, I'm like 14 years old working with these people. And I'm like, this dude just got out for stabbing someone in the face. This dude just got out for selling this amount of drugs. You know, I'm just like. I need to get out of this. Like, this is crazy. But, um, you know, so like I was doing that here working with the label and 
I thought that's all that I could do, you know, as a 14 year old. And then I leave that. And then I, and the reason why I brought that up is because I thought I could only work local. Like I didn't know that I can go on the internet and talk to people. Like, you know, I didn't think they were accessible. So I had quit doing music for like six months at like 15 started going to church and then um i met the song leader at church and he was like hey we should start recording music and i was like oh, okay bet so i go buy a hundred dollar mic this is my opportunity to learn how to record mix do all that stuff they end up moving him and his friend that we were i was working with and i was like man what am i gonna do now like now I'm just going to quit music or like, mm. what do I do? And I was like, nah, like I'm going to pursue it. But I was like, I'm not going to work with secular people because I don't want to do bad music. Like, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, right. quote unquote. Yeah. It's just, to me, I think it was an ignorant mindset, but ended up being where I found this whole subgenre of like Christian rap. And it's like a whole thing. Like it's a crazy like subgenre that I didn't know was there. And there's actually some really dope people in that um, genre. And so I find like Lecrae and Andy Mineo and all these people, and I'm like, I have to work with them. And so I found out Lecrae was in um, in, in Atlanta. And then um, I found out that the label was out there. I found out there was like two other labels there. And um, I forget who else I had found out lived there in actual Atlanta. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy this flight. And I am so determined that I'm just going to walk around Atlanta until I meet somebody. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to meet someone Mm -hmm. that I want to work with. Like I literally just was like, I'm going to put that into it, the world and Mm -hmm. just see what happens. And I was so confident that I was going to meet somebody and then a friend of mine hit me up and was like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but our church is actually doing a conference on these days. And I was like, that's crazy. That's the, those are the days I booked for Atlanta. And he was like, yeah, just show up, man. Like, I'll pay for your entrance fee to this conference. Dang. And I was like, dope. And then I find out, like, a couple of days later, Lecrae announces that they're doing a conference the same exact days. And I was like, yo, bet. Now I have everything set up for me. I'm literally just going to show up and I have my whole days planned out. And so I go out to Atlanta and um, one of my friends was doing a showcase at the conference that he paid for. And for whatever reason, he didn't go like extremely prepared. He was like, hey, look, so last year, we forgot our, our tracks. So one friend beatboxed <laughs> for like 20 minutes and I just rapped and everybody loved it. And I was like, that's the corniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, I was like, people were performing with full records and you're going on there beatboxing and freestyling for 20 minutes. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and he goes, nah, bro, it's fine. We, so we have a vendor booth. We're going to be playing our music there. And then, what you're going to do, if you can, for us a favor, we need you to play piano, like play the keys. Our homie's going to beatbox and I'm going to freestyle. <laughs> we want you to be a part of this. Yeah, and oh I was like, God. I was like, this is a disaster. I don't want to be affiliated with this. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, I'm nobody, but I don't want to stay a nobody because of this situation. <laughs> like, and so it's crazy because I end up getting convinced to do this stupid thing. And I'm up there and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of this. So I end up playing the keys or whatever. And I'm playing like these little synth melodies. And we finish the set. And these two dudes come up to me and they're like, hey, like, we really like how you played the melodies. Like, it was really dope. And I was like, thank you. I'm grateful you see something good out of this performance, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and I felt so, like, embarrassed, you know? And um, this guy is like, I want to hear, I want to hear, like, do you make beats? And I was like, yeah, actually. He was like, is there any way I could listen to him? I'm like, yeah, we got a booth. We got some speakers over there. I'll start playing some. So I play like 15 minutes worth of like beats for him. Never asked who this dude actually is. <laughs> it was like, and it's so crazy because during that time, I realized how cocky I was and just like my ego was so high. And I, I, I had nothing to even have an ego for, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, and I think that moment was very humbling for me because it showed me how nothing I was in that moment and this person asking who I was and the moment I asked him who he was, he's like, oh yeah, I've produced for some people. And I was like, oh, okay, bet. And like, he tells me and I'm like, why are you even listening to me? You know, um, his name's Ace Harris. He is now the A&R for Reach Records, which mm. he wasn't at the time. And again, this is, so crazy to me, full circle, your network, yeah. you know, is, is just the man comes up to me as I'm in this embarrassing performance, <laughs> asks me to play some beats for him and I play him. And then I ask him, Hey, who have you produced for? He's like, Oh, I've produced for like Lecrae, Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> and you're asking me like <laughs> to play yeah. beats, you know? And he was like, yeah, let's stay in contact, man. He's like, I really like what you do. He's like, I think you need some work, but I really think you have potential. And um, so I met him at that conference. I literally go to the uh, Lecrae conference and I run into the A&Rs for Reach Records at the time. And they were executively producing all of Lecrae's stuff, you know, and it's like, meeting them, meeting the owner of Reach Records. And I'm like, man, I'm now talking to the people like I'm wanting to work with. And it's not that I'm working with them, but I'm like right here. This is what I came here for. And I'm here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, it, it fulfilled what I was wanting to do. I didn't meet Lecrae himself, but I met everyone that is actually involved with Lecrae. And so, which is super crazy to me. Um, and I leave from there, and it was three years later. Um, three years later, yeah. Three years later, uh, Ace Harris signs to Reach Records as the main A&R, and I'm the first person he calls, like, wow. what do you have for me? I know you just produced this recently. I'm trying to get you records for so-and-so. It didn't work out, mm -hmm. but the fact is I got called. Right. You know, I was the first person he called, and he goes, bro, I have you in mind. I'm like, that's crazy. Wow. But it was all because I said, I'm going to go meet somebody, like, mm -hmm. in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. 
book me a flight, please. Like, right. you know, and, and that's happened so many times. Every time that I've gone somewhere, I've gone places on my last dollar, $10 in my, my pocket with no place to stay. And I'm flying places and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go meet somebody. Since day one, that was the mindset, you know? Um, and I've bet on myself every time. And whether I won at that exact moment, that trip has always resulted in something, whether it was that day or eight years later. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. just so crazy how much flying places or driving places and just putting yourself in front of people mm -hmm. is just, again, will outwork a DM mm -hmm. every time. Um, how do you, I mean, did, was there a point where you felt like maybe I'm not ready? Like all the time. Cause yeah, I mean, <laughs> people, people here locally <laughs> don't want to show up to the meetup cause they're like, I, I got to work on my beats some more. That's dumb. So did you just say, <laughs> is that what you told yourself? Yeah. And I'll tell that to everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. That, that really, because what I told you in the meetup. When I met John, I said, John, look, I got 12 hours of studio time. It's yours if you show up. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. And I remember the moment he said, cool, I'll be there. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> He's going to actually show up. You were like kind of hoping he would say no. I was, I was expecting him to say no. Like yeah. I was like, there's no way this man's going to go from San Diego, drive two hours up to L.A., and the session starts at 2 a.m. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the only time I can get the studio. And it was yeah. like 2 a.m. And I was like, oh, by the way, it starts at 2 a.m. It's yours if you want it. Wow. And he showed up. And I was like, I don't even think my beats are good. Like, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> let alone if he asked to hear them, you know? Yeah. And it was so funny because I was expecting him to be like, cool, you said I could use the studio. I'm going to record my records. He was like, no, nah, I want to hear all your beats. Mm. Let me hear what you do. First time I ever played a beat for him was in person. First time meeting him. And he goes, yeah, these are cool, man. We should make something from scratch. Wow. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm about to choke. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to produce. And I start trying to, like, think of, like, oh, man, what would be dope to him? Mm. And I'm trying to, like, do this vibe that, I'm extremely uncomfortable doing mm. and I can't do it right. Cause I haven't even tried doing that ever mm -hmm. until I'm in the studio with him. Yeah. And then I'm like, maybe I could add the talk box to this. And then I couldn't pronounce a word to save my life with the talk box, like <laughs> in that session. And I'm trying, I'm like, these are coming out like real slurred. I was like, this is like bad recording. We end up doing like nine hours of trying to work on this one one beat. We didn't even record his vocals. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, John, just give me another session. Like, I'm going to come back out. Give me another opportunity. And let me actually prove myself to you, you know? And again, as I told you, he was just like, dude, you're a genuine person. Like, I rock with you from this day on. Like, your energy was good. Like it wasn't, he's like, whether the beat was dope or not, like I rock with you, you know? And so for me, I'm like, that's all I need. You know? It's, so the same as 
when I was in the TDE sessions a couple of weeks ago, like I'm sitting there and the main A&R comes and sits down in the room with me. And I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, this man could either change my life right now or he's just going to be like, I'm going to go to the other studio. Mm. And he sits down with me and I'm like, so what do you think, man? He was like, is it cool? Damn, um, this, this is this is not the life changing moment that I was hoping for, you know. Right. And then he goes, "So where are you from?" I was like, oh, "I'm from West Covina. I used to live in Boise. I lived in Ontario. I, I live in San Diego. Um, I'm just traveling out here." And he was like, "Cool. How long have you been producing?" Started having a regular mm. conversation with me, and I'm just telling him about my life, and we end up sitting there for like five hours. Just us mm. two. And he was like, you want to make a beat together? I was like, sure, man. Like, you know? And then um, later on, we go outside. We have like a little, you know, smoke break. I'm smoking my cigar. He's smoking nasty cigarettes, you know? <laughs> and and, 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 um, and I'm just like, hey, man, um, I'm just curious. Like, I've been following you guys for like 10 years how could I get more involved? He's like, baby steps, bro. He's like, baby steps. I was like, so how do I get involved? He's like, you're here. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you're in the sessions. And I was like, yeah, you're right. He's like, now you know me, though. So you're good. And just walked away. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world? You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, in regards to not feeling good enough or ready, like, even in the TDE sessions, I was making beats. I made like, I think it was like six or seven or something like that. Uh, it was close to 10. And I walk into the other room. Cal Banks is there. He's the one that discovered like uh, JIDK. He mm -hmm. did a lot for reason. Um, this other guy is in there. Um, and they play this one beat and they sampled 3-6 Mafia. And it was like one of the hardest beats I've ever heard. And I was like, that's what I'm competing against. Yeah. Let me go delete everything I just made. <laughs> and, um, but I realized I'm like, okay, the beats I just made weren't good enough, but I'm not going to allow this man to outshine me. I'm not going to allow another man to tell me I'm not going to make it. Mm -hmm. Like I can't allow that, you know? And so I think it comes down to a self-esteem I definitely feel like ego should always be checked. I, I feel should never be prideful, but I think self-confidence needs to be at an all-time high, 100%. Mm. Never walk into a room feeling like you're incompetent or that you can't compete. Mm. Um, I don't think you should ever walk into a room. Um, I think you should walk into a room believing that you are the lowest in the sense of um, you are nobody, mm -hmm. but your self-esteem in the sense of I will compete with anybody. Mm. I, I deserve to be here. And that type of confidence with humility, I think every time will help you succeed because when the pride gets in the way and the ego gets in the way, that's where pride becomes, it, it comes before the fall. And you will get knocked off your pedestal very quickly. But when you walk in and you just say, hey, I believe I should be here. And I feel that I've put in my hours and I feel like I've 
I've been working towards this. People will feel that energy and they will, they will test you on your character and that will outshine your talent any day. Your, your character will make or break if you will ever walk back in that room. I think that's, that's huge. And, and you kind of glossed over, I think earlier when you were talking about booking studio time in and inviting mm -hmm. John Gibbs, you just booked the studio time and if it's meant to be, he'll show up. Yeah, I didn't know if he was going to show up. Right. <laughs> that, Straight up. And it wasn't, you You weren't getting in your head about my beats aren't good enough. It was like, if it's if if it's meant to happen, he'll be there. We'll figure something out. I think if he says no, that's fine. It's like, maybe not this time. You're not ready. Beats might not be ready yet and use that as motivation. Yeah. And I mean, also... You know, I had 12 hours of studio time. If he said no, I would have made beats for 12 hours. Right. At the end of the day, I'm still going to work. Like, I'm, you know, whether I work with an artist or I work by myself, I'm still going to put the hours in. And even when I'm working with the artist, I'm not going to allow myself to get comfortable to say that I've made it. Because easily they could say, you know what? He's just not hidden like he used to. Mm. Like, his mm -hmm. drums are just not knocking anymore. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to work with him on the next album. I've had that mm. because I got comfortable. I'm like, yo, I've already worked with the artist. I don't have to really try on the next one. That happened on on No Big Deal's uh, lowercase tape. Deal hit me was like, hey, man, I need an intro record. I said, bet. Send me a reference. I made like three of them. And he goes, yeah, they, these aren't it. Mm. I was like, what do you mean, dog? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you fire. Like... <laughs> I was like, it's in the realm of what you asked for. He goes, no, it's just not it. Mm. And I was like, look, bro, how many days do I have left to make this happen? He's like, three. He's like, three is the deadline. Mm -hmm. For three days straight, nonstop, I'm working on records that I'm thinking. And it was just me making beats. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to put a thousand percent in and try to get past my, what I felt like I'm able to do. You know, I didn't push myself. I just said, okay, I'm making a bunch, and he'll pick one of these. Three days go, he doesn't like any of them. He goes, yeah, this ain't it, bro. I was like, look, man, I will fly out to you right now and cook in, in person. Please, like, I'm trying to get this place with oh, wow. man. Like, I was like, yo, don't, don't play me. And he goes, bro, he's like, we'll always work. Like, you'll get on the next one. I'm just like, damn, bro, like this ain't, Yeah. why is it, why? Like, you know, and, and I realized like I got too comfortable mm. and like, even like, as I listened to the beats that I was sending them, I was like, why did I send these? Mm. Like <laughs> these were garbage. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It wasn't that I pushed past, you know, and, and it's the same as like when I was in the TDE sessions, I walked out of the room because I was comparing myself with myself. I'm I'm making this beat and I'm like, oh, it's better than this one compared to being like, what's around me? What am I actually competing with? You yeah. know? And then when I heard the actual lowercase tape, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I see why this was not even considered because mm -hmm. everyone was outworking me at that moment mm -hmm. and pushing themselves to go and be better than they ever were before. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, I've worked with this dude since 2015. Like, right. He's in get, the bag, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to get this placement. And then he was like, nah, not this time, bro. Mm. And I was like, what? 
Yeah. And so I think that was a very humbling experience where I was like, you know what? I have to push every time, you know, and, and I feel that even more as I, every time I'm in LA, I'll walk out of my, my studio room and go to the next and just be like, what are you guys working on? And if I feel like they're outshining me in the sense of like, it just is quality is better or a mix is better. Like production, their drums are hitting harder. Something that I just feel like I could do that. And I just need to put more energy. I'll go back and like, I'll scratch whatever I just did because I know I can do better mm-hmm. and I can't allow myself to be complacent. And so, yeah, I don't know. That, that stuff happens, but it's still like, I don't see that as a failure. I yeah. see it as like, okay, I just need to push harder. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. How do you find that balance though? Cause you're talking about like how you want to just not compete with yourself and you want to be able to compare yourself to these other people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think what me and Luke are finding, especially here, and this might be true in other smaller towns, like you are comparing yourself to just you because you're the only one there. And then you start getting in your own head where like Luke's saying, like we have people who are like, Oh, we don't want to come to the meetup. Cause like, we're not good enough. Or we have artists that like are releasing one song like every three months because they think that their work isn't good. So like, how do you find that balance of like, I want to get better, but I also don't want to get in my own head about it almost. When you say get in your own head, do you mean like, Ego, or do you mean like, um, more on like a self sabotage? Yeah. Almost like I, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think with the, and this is something that you know we've talked about before. I, therapy is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go deal with your past. Like, go, go handle that. Like, I, me personally, I had so much, um, negative trauma, like emotional trauma in my life where, um, now I'm not really afraid to talk about it. Cause I, you know, I went in like, went to therapy and I, I did other things to like break through it. But like, um, for years, you know, when I was around my, my dad, you know, I would really try in basketball and I would really try, like he wanted me to do football. My dad in college, like was training and and he tried out for some NFL teams, you know, and and he didn't make it. I think he self-sabotaged by, you know, whether he was good enough for it or not, like he wasn't physically preparing himself. You know, he was out of shape. You know, Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. But my dad saw the potential in me to do certain sports at the time and was like, I'm going to coach you and I'm going to invest in you. But it was so, um, how do I explain it? Any move that I made that was not exactly perfect was completely torn down. Mm. As in like, what is wrong with you? Why can't you get it? That's not the right way. Mm. You need to do this. And for me, I was like, yo, F you, man. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to, I was like, I'm not playing football ever out of principle, like Mm. in my whole life, like I was told, like you have the body for football. Mm. They're like, why are you not playing football? Mm. And I was like, cause my pops, (laughs) Mm. like I literally never tried out for a team or tried in school because of 
my dad. Like, same as, like, basketball. I was like, I'm never going to play basketball again because of my dad, you know, and the same mm -hmm. as other things. And same as, like, you know, cleaning the house. My mom would be like, hey, clean the house. Mm. Cool. Put my sweat and tears, like, scrubbing. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I think I did it. You know, I, I did great. And my mom get home and is like, yeah, this isn't clean. I should have never had you do it anyways. Mm. I'm just going to have to do it. Yeah. You know, and I was like, man, like, I just gave my 100%. Like. Wasn't good enough. Yeah. Like, I gave my all. And then I get told, like, you wasted your time and mine. Mm. And I'm just like, man, like, maybe I shouldn't try at all. You know, like, at all. And I allowed that to dictate me for so long. And even when I got into music, you know, it was like. I didn't have anyone to say, oh, you could do this or um, you could do that or whatever. But then when I wouldn't get the placement or when I would say, hey, can I come to the studio or whatever? And, and people are like, nah, bro, like not this time. For me, I'm like, man, I'm not good enough, you know, or like even the thing with Dill, like I tried left and right and he was like just not this time bro mm -hmm. it wasn't like y'all never work with you again yeah but he was like just not this time it wasn't it mm -hmm. and you know again like i'm grateful i went to therapy and i went um uh, and i went for some really dark stuff you know what i mean just a lot of uh abuse like in in my childhood and stuff like that that really for me i felt affected the way that i view viewed myself you know my self-esteem I used to walk around with my head down feeling like I'll never amount to anything, that I won't achieve anything. And, you know, um, something I really battled with was with my sister. Like, I remember one time, like, I was in the fourth grade and my uncle was like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to golf. And I was like, cool, man. I've never <laughs> golfed before. And we went to the park and I hit the first ball. And I was like, yo, this is fun. <laughs> And I was like, hey, mom, can you buy me, uh, you know, like my own golf set? And so she bought it for me. And like I started going after it. And I remember being in like this teacher, like parent conference. And I was there with my mom and my sister. And, and uh, my teacher was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember I like threw up my arms. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a golf player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, I know I look like a cornball when uh -huh. I did it. And my sister's like, Pfft. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be a golf player. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. And right. I just that day on, I never played golf again. Oh wow. And like I allowed for people to dictate what I was doing until like I really went and got help. You know, I went in and fought through that. I did my own research to understand um trauma, emotional trauma, to actually understand how to process it and not allow it to like dictate me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I still fight through it, but not in the same way. I know how to identify it and be like, yo, that's, that's a lie. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a lie. Like I'm not going to allow myself to be dictated by that. That's just an insecurity. Yeah. I remember I went to during the Grammy weekend, um, I was out in LA, I was going to all the Grammy parties and uh, my homegirl, Erin, Erin Knight, shout out to her. The Erin effect, 
with two N's, E-R-I-N-N effect. Uh, go on Instagram, follow her. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, she, she had told me to go to the Grammy parties. So I flew out there and she shot me a whole list of all the parties. It was like, here's your RSVPs, handle your business. I go out there and my homie's with me for one of them. And that's where I met Hitmaker. I ran into all the Dreamville, but he was like, I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> you know? Um, and um, we leave there and I get in an accident and I get rear-ended. And like, I remember getting back to my friend's house and I'm like, man, I could barely even like move. Like my body feels all jacked up. And then the next day I wake up and I can't even lift my head up on its own. And I had to like grab the back of my head just to like pull it up. And I'm like, man, this is every excuse to not go to the next event. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, my, my work's done here. Yeah. Like I'm just going to kick it. And then I was like, nah, like that's an excuse. Like I could still walk. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, limping. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to make this happen. That's why I'm out here. And it was the same week that I had the um, the engineers class, the mixed by Ali. Mm -hmm. That was that happened on a Tuesday, and it was Saturday. It was the the class. So uh, Wednesday, there's another event, and you know I'm hurt. You know I'm like, yeah, this is every excuse not to go. And then I'm like, hey Brody, like, are you coming with me to this next event? And he was like, nah, I smacked my head, bro. Like, <laughs> I don't feel good. Like I'm a, I'm gonna stay home. And I had hit up another homie of mine that was going to all these parties. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to hit the Empire party first. And then I'll meet you there. And I was like, bet. So I show up to this event. And my homie goes, yeah, I'm not going to make it. And I was like, yo, this is weird. I'm by myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm by myself. Yeah. And I don't know anybody. And I'm like, this is, this is uncomfortable. Like, mm -hmm. I'm in pain. I feel comfortable when I have someone with me. Mm -hmm. I can, when I am not talking to anyone, I can at least talk to them, you know, and it not be awkward. And I sit down like at this, um, at this event and I sit on the couch and I have this conversation with myself. This is just happened in January. I, I literally sit down and I'm like, damn, I'm about to allow for myself to get up and walk out of here because I don't know anybody and I feel uncomfortable. And I was like, I just paid $25 for this lift to get all the way over here mm -hmm. to pay for another $25 lift because I was too scared to talk to anybody. Yeah. And I was like, hell no. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go to this bar real quick. Hey, let me get a Henny and Coke. <laughs> let me get a there little comfortable. <laughs> and I go drink my, I down the little Henny. <laughs> And then I was like, okay, I feel a little comfortable. And I just started talking to people. And I was like, okay, I just pushed past the insecurity. I pushed, mm -hmm. and, and I bring that up because I felt so insecure mm -hmm. in that moment. I felt fully exposed. And that tested my character. It tested my hustle. If I was going to go and push past that or not. That was like the first time in years that I felt that. Cause I was alone and there was no safety net. 
it was just, I'm going to be about it or I'm not. And in that moment, I'm grateful the stuff that I've went through in therapy that had me break stuff like that down where as I'm sitting on the couch, people, I don't know if they're looking at me weird or not, but like I'm looking down at the floor cause I'm in my mind processing like, okay, why do you feel this way? What is it that makes you feel uncomfortable about this place? Mm. Asking those real questions and it's like, okay, well that's a lie. Mm. Go talk to people. What are they going to say? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And go to the next. Yeah. There's 200 people here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. I end up talking to, it was about 45 artists. Wow. And, you know, some of them were like, yeah, you could send me beats. Didn't follow me back, whatever. Mm. Others were like, bro, like, when's the next time you're in LA? I'm going to be here. Text me when you get in, yeah. you know? And it's like, even the promoter of the, the event, is one of the biggest promoters in Atlanta have that connect just because I went up and talked to them. Again, I really believe that you need to go deal with yourself first, deal with whatever. And this is one of the realest things that I could say, whatever you feel is holding you back, whether that's your mom telling mm-hmm. you, you suck, you know, whether that's your dad saying you'll never amount to anything, whether that's your grandma, whether it's, your teacher in second grade, you know, your sister or whatever, like whoever hurts you, like mm. it's a real thing. Like yeah. we yeah. can't disregard that. Whoever hurts you go reconcile that, go, you know, go deal with it and then go hustle. Like once you push past that, like in the comfort thing you're talking about, like, man, like is trying to not be uncomfortable. Go get so uncomfortable that the uncomfortable becomes comfortable. Yep. You, yep. There's nothing can stop you the moment that you say, cool, I'm just going to live in uncomfortability. Like 100%. Like nothing can <laughs> yeah. stop you. Like yeah. fully. Like, oh, you say I don't have a car? Cool. <laughs> go take the bus. Right. <laughs> Not going to stop me. Yeah. Like, I'll go walk. Yeah. You know, these got these bird scooters. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. A, you know what I mean? Like you really, no one... Once you you work through who you are and you you are fully in tune with who you are, no one can dictate you, only you. So that's my view on that. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think we uh, kind of have been dealing with that a little bit because like we relied on each other for, at least me personally, we relied on each other for so much so far. And then it's like anytime I'm getting out of my comfort zone with something like a new producer wants to work or whatever, you know, I'm always like... Luke, do you want to come? Like, do you? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. sometimes right. like, no, I can. So I've just been like trying to, like you say, just learn to live being uncomfortable and just kind of figuring then, it out. Yeah. But 10, 10 producers in, you're like, oh, piece of cake, you know, <laughs> ready to step it up. Yeah. I'm yeah. hoping it gets like that. But so did you work um, with any other artists while you were still here? And if you did, what is like the major difference that you see between working with somebody in like a small town like here as opposed to when you did move to San Diego and we're working with people over in California? Um, so yeah, I've, I've worked with people out here. Um, and when working with them, um, I'll say like the people I worked with out here, their professionalism wasn't in the same way that like, being at like Altrium and running into 
artists out there that are like, we need to work. Like this is, this is our income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An I mean? urgency. Almost. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't have time to be sitting out here like this. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go take a smoke break. It's like, no, I'm going to smoke this as I'm like mixing my record. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a, oh, I might hit the studio. Mm. It's like, no, like we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, um, the same as, um, you know, here, I mean, it's just my experience with the artists that I've worked with here that it's kind of like they were trying to figure out what they're doing and they didn't really know. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't take the energy to research and understand what they're supposed to be doing to build their audience. You know, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't want to go put out a record and it's your grandma that hits like, <laughs> You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like, yo, I, yeah. I'm gonna need you to stream this like a lot. Like, I need you to like go buy my tickets. I need you to buy my merch. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need my family and only my family supporting me. You know, or like my five friends. Like, and so to them though, here in my experience, it's like, oh, I did something. It's like, no, you didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's nothing. The bar yeah. is low. The bar yeah. is low. I put out a song, man. <laughs> Yo, like, my mom liked it. Yeah, your mom will always say you're handsome. Like, <laughs> and you can be the ugliest dude in the world. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, go out and, and be in a, in a spot that, like, they don't know you. And they're going to tell you what they think. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just. And, and so, like, I think being in that other environment, um, I didn't have the whole, oh, we're both from Boise. It's like, no, I'm trying to buy a beat. Okay, cool. Send me 300. Mm. Yeah. Send over the contract. Like, once you pay me, I'll send you the stems. Like, hey, I want to work in person. Okay, cool. When do you want to meet up? All right, cool. We're going to be at the studio. This is what we got to do. This is what you're trying to get done. Let's get it done. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to buy these shoes. Okay, well, then I'm not working with you. Yeah. You want to go buy the shoes? Go buy the shoes. Obviously, you don't care about your music. Right. You want to go drop $200 on some weed and you didn't want to go put that into your marketing. That's on you. Like, yeah, you know, and, and I think that's, I think that's the huge difference from here and other places because the lack of knowledge of knowing how to even get it to go from not being your mom liking it mm-hmm. and knowing where to put your money and then also accepting that, you don't have much money, so it shouldn't be going to weed. It shouldn't be going to shoes. shouldn't be going to anything but your necessities and building your craft. You know, yeah. if you can't afford studio time, save up money, go buy a mic. Mm-hmm. You have all the studio time you want. <laughs> yeah. Like, and most people will make excuses, and that's their fault. Yeah. You know, if they don't want to go do it, they don't want to go do it. And, you know, if someone says, I can't do a flight. Coronavirus right now has flights being a hundred dollars. Can't tell me that, you know, can't go flip something. Like mm-hmm. it's a real thing. Like if you don't have the money, I get it. You can go make money. You can go on Craigslist. You can find the free section, go get the stuff that you think is worth money and go put it back up for five, ten dollars. You're gonna make five, ten dollars off something you got for free. And all you did was post it. Hey, 
do you have any work that I could do around your house? I'm just trying to make some extra income right now. Can I clean your house for you? Can I wash your car? It's how humble you want to get, you know? It's just really, you know, if you don't have the money, you can go get it, you know? Go pick up another job, whatever it is. Like, it's just how much are you wanting wanting this? You know, I had... I had my business partner, and this is where we had to part ways. I'm traveling so much, and I'm like, bro, I'm at these events, and I'm going on my last dollar sometimes, and you're sitting at home. Like, I can't, I'm not going to be out here, like, struggling at moments. I'm sleeping in cars at moments to, like, fight for this. And you're sitting comfortable at home doing 20 hours a week and you say, oh, I can't do it because I can't afford it. Well, if you're sitting at home doing 20 hours a week, I need you doing 40 and that's why you can't show up. Mm -hmm. Like you chose to do 20 hours, but you want me to go give you a placement when I go and worked for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that to me is crazy. You know, Um, you can... The whole, I can only do this once a month. They just don't want it. And like, you can't change that for them. They're going to have that epiphany moment to where they're like, man, I just don't want this. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had a situation for myself. I quit doing production for like a year and a half because I kept getting into these situations where I'm like, man, every excuse in the book is to why I couldn't produce for an artist. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh man, my interface blew. Oh, my neighbor doesn't want loud music. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, right. My apartment got infested with roaches. I got to throw away all my equipment. Like, oh man, I just got robbed. I have no money. Like, oh, this and this. Like, I kept making excuses and I was like, oh man, I just can't do it. It's just not meant for me. I'm out. And then I waited, wasted a year and a half. And then I realized, like, wait a minute. What am I doing in my life? I was, yeah. I was working a job. I was making 65000 a year, like, working, doing a supervisor job for the transit system. And I was like, I'll just do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then I woke up one day and was like, yo, this is horrible. Like, <laughs> I was like, why would I do this? Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I got myself out of debt. And... You know, I stacked up some money where I was like, I'm have a safety net and I'm out. I'm just going to push for it again because I've done it full time before. And the reason why I screwed myself over the other times is because I didn't manage my money. Mm. And that's one thing I'll say as well. Once you start making money from it, if you're not managing your money right. You're going to stress yourself out Yeah, because you're going to be like, damn, I only have a thousand dollars and rents due, phones due cars do. Mm. And I don't know when the next time I'm getting even a dollar, you know? And so when you start managing your money and you're like, okay, I have 6,000 in the account and I have this already paid off. And I know I can make myself live off of thousand dollars a month and I don't need to spend anymore. I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm not going to eat out mm-hmm. like whatever, like you can make it happen. Um, Again, it's just reverse engineering all the way back to when you're like, how do I, how do I build within a small town? Go talk to the venues. 
you figure out you are in control of your life. Mm-hmm. You're in control of how much you get done. You're in control of either allowing for negative things to affect you completely or reverse engineering it and be like, okay, this door closed. I'm going to go through this one. Oh, all doors are closed. I'm busting in this window. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. You know what I mean? You, you figure that out, you know, how you were saying like, oh man, I don't have any plugins. Still making beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're figuring out a way. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and other people would be like, man, I ain't got no plugins. I can't make no beats. Right. You know, I remember for the longest, like I play keys and I didn't have a MIDI keyboard mm. and I was like, I'm stuck. I can't make beats. Right. And then I started learning. I'm like, yeah, I can. I don't need the keyboard. But when I have it, oh man, the possibilities are endless, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to allow me not having the keyboard to stop me from making beats. I remember I got so like in my pride where I was like, man, I don't have speakers, mm-hmm. so I can't make beats. Right. Even though I had headphones, huh? like I put up, I put up that barrier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so you are, again, I, I told you guys earlier, I believe in God. So I, I do believe God will say certain things and be like, Hey, you know, now's not the time, like kick back for a second. Mm. But I do believe you are the master of your life in the sense of you choose if things happen or not, you know, you reverse engineer everything that doesn't go right. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. I think we're coming up on time here. Yeah. yeah. Wrap it up. That was like an hour and a half just flew by. That was (laughs) really crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. But all right. So if people want to connect with you, Wanta, Mm -hmm. where can they hit you up to do that? Yeah. Um, so they can go on, uh, the year was 93, uh, com. So T H E, uh, W A S, um, or the, the year, um, T H E Y E A R and then was, and then the number 93.com or they can go on W O N T E L music, um, for all of my social media. So, um, emails W at Gmail. I try to respond. <laughs> hey, uh, give him the email. Yeah. Nice. Email me. Awesome. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you coming yeah. in, talking to us, sharing so much knowledge. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Night Owl Studios, too. Yeah. For yeah. The awesome thank you. yeah. If you guys want to book some time at Night Owl, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a place awesome to go, space. man. Space. Yeah. Dope spot. Cool. All, All right. right.